God, we're thankful for the chance to look at your word and to study it this morning and thankful for uh, what you are going to teach us and how you're going to lead us, God. And uh, we just invite your Holy Spirit to be here and uh, just to encourage our hearts and uh, to speak through these words of Jesus and this conversation with Peter. And Lord, challenge us to follow you and to trust you wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, the title of this message is, You Follow Me, and uh, it starts out in November 18th, 1992, with a really great song that I love, and uh, I'm going to share with you now. Get ready. Jump. How many people is this their favorite song of 1992? Anybody? <laughs> so good. So good. We're just going to sit here and enjoy the entire... I almost brought the music video, but, but I didn't. That's when it hit me. Love is a verb. That's right. Okay. Yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. It was one of my favorite first tapes. They're these things that come uh, in a piece of plastic box with some ribbon on it. Yep, I wore the thing out. Um, yeah, so one of the big messages that we're going to see in this passage is that one phrase, uh, love is a verb. And, uh, and I think you'll see that as we look through uh, these first couple of verses where we're seeing Peter and, and Jesus have a conversation. Sorry, that was totally for my benefit. That wasn't for anybody else other than the fact that it conveys the point of this section that we're starting out with. I just wanted to hear the song and love it. <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, the, these first few verses that we see here in John, I want to share with you. Uh, John 21, verses 15 to 17 says this. When they had finished the breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Uh-oh, slide change error, what? All right, let's try that again. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Hello. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, ah, goodness. All right. This, this machine doesn't want to give up control. All right. Here we go. We're just going to the to go into the source here. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
How many of you know that God loves you? Yeah. How many of you know that uh, God knows that you love him? This is the conversation that Jesus is having with Peter, right? He's saying, Lord, you, you know, don't you know that I love you? Like you really, you know everything, you know that I love you. But imagine what Peter is going through here as Jesus in three times, three particular questions asks him, do you love me? Um, just a, a few weeks before, and let's go back even further for him. You know, Peter is the one, like we sung about today, that inspired oceans, right? And walk upon the water. This is Peter, that Peter that had enough faith to walk upon the water and, and go to Jesus. That Peter, who had pinnacles of moments of faith while Jesus is on earth, then comes to like the worst time that he could possibly have, right? He doesn't know what's going on with Jesus. He thinks Jesus is going to take them in to establish some kingdom, and then he doesn't, and he gets arrested. And now people are asking, Peter, Peter, are you with that guy? Peter says, no, no, I'm, I'm not with that guy. Uh, in fact, a servant girl, a servant girl at the door of the gate says, uh, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Says, no, I'm not. And again, when he comes into the courtyard there, when Jesus is being prosecuted, and now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and so they said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of Malchus, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? You're the one that cut off, you know, my relative's ear. I'm pretty sure that was you. <laughs> Peter again denied it. And a rooster crowed. So imagine just the emotions that Peter is swirling through from all that he's experienced in Jesus' ministry to a very clear denial of association with him at all. And now Jesus coming back to life and saying to him, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And all I think Peter can sort of muster at this moment is just simply to say, You know I do. It's almost a humility that's been worked into, you know, his experience. And, um, but Jesus wants him to not stay there. He wants to restore him, actually, to the position that he wanted for him as a, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a leader of people. He says, then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. Peter's telling him, you know that I love you. And Jesus is saying, show me that. Show me that. Now, how many of you today uh, have a mother for which you probably need to do something today? <laughs> Don't you think she knows you love her? <laughs> she knows, doesn't she? You should probably go ahead and call her still, at least. <laughs> Maybe get a card, <laughs> right? Maybe get a card. Maybe do something nice for your mom, right? Yeah, she might know that you love her, but show her. It's the same sort of thing that Jesus is asking here of Peter. Yeah, okay, I know. I know your heart. 
show me your heart. It reminded me this morning of uh, uh, James 2, uh, where it's talking about faith and works. And it says this in James 2, 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And further on in 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. See, we show what we believe by our actions. If we love those around us, we demonstrate that in action. We don't just assume that they have knowledge of our love and just leave it at that. We show it by our actions. And the truth is, if we examine our actions, we'll find out what we believe. And if we want our belief of our faith in Jesus to be demonstrated, then it has to come out in actions and in and works. They're tied together. They're not two separate entities. They're intertwined. And as much as theologically we'd like to separate them into some boxes, Scripture doesn't allow us to do that. It says, faith without works is dead. Yeah, you're saved by faith. But guess what happens? You love the Lord with all your mind, soul, body. You love those around you as much as you love yourself. So I think the call here to Peter is, yeah, Peter, I, I know your love for me. I know it. I, you're right. I know everything. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Love is a verb, as the theologian's DC Talk has showed us in 1992. Um, and it is true. We, we have to put what we believe into action. And I like another thing that is demonstrated here in this passage. Sometimes people like to uh, elevate Peter here and say, well, Peter's a particularly special guy. Peter didn't really view it that way. Um, you know, the emphasis here on uh, the tending is that they're not Peter's sheep. They're the Lord's sheep. Tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. There's only one chief shepherd. There are shepherds, there are those who are called to minister in a vocational capacity, and I'm privileged to be one of those in a bivocational capacity. Um, I'm almost there. Um, <laughs> but all sheep, all of us are the Lord's. There's one chief shepherd, and, and Peter writes about this later in uh, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 14. He, he's speaking to the elders among the churches. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, as a fellow, not as a better elder, as a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There is one, there's like a very simple hierarchy. Jesus, chief shepherd, everyone else. <laughs> there's no complex system of who is closest to God and who is not. Peter saw himself as a fellow worker with all those that he was encouraging, even those he was teaching he considered to be his fellow elders. All the sheep are the Lord's. 
This is the Lord's flock that he has stewardship over. There's one chief shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And in this passage, we see, obviously, this famous section where Peter is challenged and then restored into the ministry that he's uh, been called to. Um, And I love what uh, D.A. Carson says about this. He says, this ministry that Peter is restored to is described in verbs, not nouns. Tend and feed, not be a pastor. Hold or hold an office of pastor. The sheep are Christ's sheep, not Peter's. Not tend your flock, but tend my sheep. This is the call in ministry really to all of us to tend those God has placed in our care. Peter uh, is then told by Jesus a rather disturbing uh, statement. In verse uh, 18, Jesus after saying, Be my sheep, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. So think about what Peter just heard. Jesus says to Peter, You're going to die in a way of someone taking you where you don't want to go. Our understanding is that he was crucified and that this is speaking of that. And, and so uh, take that statement. Jesus says to Peter, you're going to be uh, killed in a way that you don't, you're going to go out the way you don't want to go out. Someone's going to lead you in a direction you don't want to go. Follow me. Can you hold those things in your hand? <laughs> someone of this earth is going to take charge of your demise. Follow me. So on one aspect, it's like, dang, you know, the Lord is saying this is what's going to happen and still follow me. And then on the other aspect, in the middle of that, he says, and this is the death by which he was going to glorify God. This kind of death that that Jesus is speaking is going to happen to Peter. He says, this is going to be glorifying to God, that this is the way that you ought to die. Peter, obviously a little concerned about that revelation that is shared with him, looks behind him in his walk with, uh, with Jesus and says, what about that guy? Peter turned and saw, verse 20, turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw John behind him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he will remain until I come, what's it to you? You follow me. Just for clarification from John, he was not talking about John living until Jesus came to return. Verse 23, it's explicitly there. John's not going to live for 2,000 years or more. So we know that. Side note. John's probably reminding them them of this because he's concluding his letter probably in his 90s or 80s or 90s or something. And so he's like, hey, I don't think he's, he's that's not what he was talking about. I'm almost done here. He's not back. Um, 
So Peter looks at John and says, well, if I'm going to die this way, what about him? And all Jesus says to him is, you do you. You follow me. Don't worry about what's going to happen to John. Your journey is unique. Your journey is Peter's journey. And, and it's not the same as John's. You follow me. Don't worry about what John is doing. Too often we get uh, hung up by what we're seeing happen in other people's lives. We talked about this some on Thursday, I think, that, that so often um, we look at someone that may appear to have it uh, better off than us and, and look on them with jealousy and say, well, what, Lord, like they've got that. Why don't I have that? And the Lord says, you do you. You follow me. Don't worry about what they've got, whether material or spiritual or whatever it is. You follow me. But we also get hung up when we do an, an opposite, more damaging thing and say, Lord, look at them. At least I'm not like that. And Jesus says, you follow me. You do you. Okay? You don't even worry about where they're at. You know what happened to them last week? <laughs> no, you do you. You follow me. When Peter looks and asks, well, what is John going to happen? What's, what's going to happen with John? Peter says, Jesus says, don't worry about that. You follow me. Uh, just a couple of things to go with from this passage. Do you love the Lord? Feed his sheep. If we love the Lord, then we'll speak to the Lord. We'll ask him for things that we need. Do you love the Lord? Learn about him. He's revealed himself to you. He wants you to know who he is and, and what he's done for you what he desires for you. Know him and read his word. Do you love the Lord? You follow him. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You follow the Lord. And last this, your journey is a unique experience of the sacrificial love Jesus demonstrated in his life. You do you. What does it mean when Jesus says, you follow me? For Peter particularly, it was the same death of crucifixion. You follow me to the cross. Your journey is a unique experience of the sacrificial love of Jesus. See, when we come to know the Lord, and when we know Him deeper and deeper, we see that all that He is pouring into us and continuing to fill us with and giving us so graciously is not ours to hold on to and keep and grab onto for ourselves, but, but actually it's to give out and to continue to give out to those around us. 
each of us doing, following Jesus, it's, it's a unique experience of his sacrificial love. It's recognizing what God has given me, undeservedly so, that I can then give over to those around me, to my family, to my friends, to my coworkers, to my clients, to anybody that I come in contact with. Our journey is a unique experience of the sacrificial love of Jesus. Knowing him, knowing how much it cost him to come down from heaven and live a life he did and give it on the cross for us, knowing that deeper and deeper And then we get to pour that out to those around us. Sacrificial love of Jesus demonstrated in our unique journey. Peter's, John's, Paul's, James, John, Mark, Dana, Christy. Each of us have unique experience of seeing the love of Jesus poured out to us And seeing what the Lord has poured into us to give out to others. Not to keep and hoard for ourselves, but to flow over to those that God has placed around us. Do you love the Lord? Follow Him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the chance to be encouraged by John's gospel over these months many months. And God, we're, we're grateful for the love that you demonstrate to us. And we're grateful that even when we fall, you restore us and uh, give us um, provision. And, uh, and God, um, a ministry of your sacrificial love. And so God, we pray that we would continue to seek you, that we continue to know you more and more, that your love might come through us more and more. God, help us not to lean on the fact that you know our love for us. Help us show you. Give us the strength to show you, to strive to show you how much we love you by our actions. May our belief be turned into action. May it flow from us every single day. May we find our strength and might in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.